25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. When we let them off the line. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yeah, baby, let's roll. In the Farm Bureau studio with you on a Friday. Are you happy about that? I know you are. I am. I'm happy about it. Friday, baby. So the weekend practically here. Um, Yeah, okay, look, I'll go ahead and tell you. It's supposed to rain a little bit tomorrow. (laughs) But thank goodness I see sunshine outside the window today. And uh, so you might get a few hours of dryness, sunshine, warmth out there, um, out and about today. You know, it's not too bad, so we'll take what we can get. And so overall, it's a pretty good Friday. Appreciate you tuning in wherever you're listening, however you're listening. You can be a part of the show in lots of different ways. Today's no different than any other day. So give me a call on the Divinity Equipment phone line. They are Divinity Equipment in Madison and Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, yep, the big orange fleet, mowers, tractors, construction equipment, ATVs, the sidekicks, anything in between, you name it, they have it. And uh, they're the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. Did you know that? It means they've been doing it better longer than anybody else. Divinity Equipment phone is 995-1059. If you're watching the stream on Facebook, Twitter, there you go. There are the numbers. Call me on the Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. You can also text the show, and that's an everyday thing, a great way to be a part of the show and communicate also. So 885-ESPN. Can you remember that? Try and remember I dare you to try to remember that. The text line, 885-ESPN. Better yet, 885-3776. Got it? That is a 601 number also. So a couple of ways for you to text and call and all that. Now, also, the Twitter feed, wide open to you, at Radio Wyatt. And, of course, hey to everybody tuning in on Facebook. Feel free to comment there, and uh, we'll get going. We'll take a look at it. All right, here on this Friday, a lot to get into. Going to jump onto the phone line here in just a sec. But right now, let me give you a heads up. Reports confirming the completion of of putting together the offensive coaching staff at Mississippi State. We have names. Therefore, we have bios and backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. The most important hire being the strength and conditioning coach. You have that also. But some offensive staff member names popped up. The guys over at 24-7 Sports, Paul and Steve and David and those guys reporting it. These are your offensive coaches. I'm going to tell you who those are. If you're a State fan listening, you haven't heard it, stay tuned. Okay? Now, but here's the other thing. The defensive staff is not filled out. We don't have names. 
every day this week and some last week. We've been getting questions and all kinds of stuff about the defensive coordinator position at State. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. We don't know. So there. Uh, If I get it, I'll give it to you. But we don't know on the defensive side. That's the other thing. So what we're going to do at some point today is kind of step back and look at the makeup of the coaching staffs to this point with new coaches at State and Ole Miss. Who are they? What are the names? Because I'm sure that it's been flying. Like If you're like me, even if you're keeping up with it, it's just swirling around and flying all over the place. And it's maybe hard to kind of get it all straight in your head. I'm going to look at this and go through the names and tell you what they are. Preview the games coming up this weekend. Cannot wait. The Chiefs are one win away from the Super Bowl, but they've got to go through the Tennessee Titans in their run game. And look, Titans' defense is good. Their run game with Derrick Henry, just unstoppable over the last month, it seems like. And so the Chiefs are going to have their hands full. What is the injury status of Chris Jones? All that, we're going to check into it. Tell you what the latest is. So there's a lot to get to in today's show. And the attrition, if you want to call it that, it's it's really guys moving up for the most part. But the let's use the word attrition so we know what we're talking about. At LSU, players and coaching staff, the attrition after that national title game, which was just on Monday, we're not even a week removed, and everybody has gone. Okay? You talk about looking different next year. At least going in. At LSU, it's going to look a lot different. All right, here we go. Let's jump into uh, the phone calls first. Divinity Equipment phone. First up, John in Harrisville. Where's Harrisville, John? Uh, south of Jack Florence, Mississippi. Those the woods. Okay, great. Uh, I'm a, of course, I'm an Ole Miss fan, but uh, I keep up with Ole Miss State and Southern and uh, one of the defensive coordinators I don't hear anybody talking about would have been Tyrone Nix when he was at Southern. He had what they called the Nasty Bunch. I remember that. I thought, I think he would have been a good defensive coordinator. Well, the thing about that is, John, let's be realistic here. Um, no Southeastern Conference school is going to reach back you know, to someone that has not been coaching or coordinating a big time defense, you know, to come in and be their coordinator, you know, just kind of off the yeah, street somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's just, um, it's just not, well, the, you know, not the world was, we live in. Yeah, he was at, um, he was at Ole Miss uh, mm-hmm. last year, year, year so. Anyway, well, I, I just thought about him. I thought he was, I've, I've always wished that Ole Miss would have hired him, but they never did. So, right. as a defensive coordinator, but. Anyway, I, th- I just want to throw that name up. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for the call, John. Thanks for yeah. listening. Uh, Walking Bully on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up, man? Hey, Matt. I was watching the uh, the film review session you put up uh, this week on Leach and the offense, and I saw one goal line play in there. I think the inside receiver kind of sat down in a little zone and quarterback hit him. Um but my question is, I've been reading a lot about uh, his offense, and I was wondering if you, in doing that film review session and getting ready for it, if you saw uh, in short yardage and goal line situations, it, it, does anything change formationally or kind of what what is Leach like to do in those situations? Because that's what concerns me 
uh, when you get in those tight, condensed situations. I think back to like two years ago with Longo and Ole Miss and the struggles that they had inside the red zone and goal line particularly not being able to punch it in. Uh, did you see anything that stuck out to you along those lines? Well, I, I, w- I would say I think it's probably your observation too, um, walking bully, but you don't have to watch a whole lot of Washington State film or even go back to Texas Tech to see that you know, red zone goal line stuff for them, in a lot of ways, no different than the rest of their offense. Is they will spread you out and get in the shotgun and throw it. Um, and, and you know, so much of that offense is all—I don't want to say based upon, but it all revolves around vertical routes. Like you know, the ultimate goal is to get that vertical route down the field, and we just throw it for a bomb touchdown, right? Like so the. So, so the offense is it all kind of revolves around that, and that's what then you know led to the the different screen iterations because teams are constantly trying to pass rush. You're going to take advantage of that, throw screens, make them pay for it. The shovel pass, take advantage of their aggressiveness, trying to get to the quarterback. The mesh route underneath. If you're going to drop people, we're going to mesh people underneath. You can't cover them. We get people running wide open. So, but it all kind of revolves around vertical routes, you know, wanting that and and starting with that. So you go, right. well, well, if you get five yards away from the goal line or ten yards, take that away. Yeah, because right. you know there's a back line of the end zone. We're not worried about you running by us forty yards downfield. So then what? And look, they're looking for ways to continue to spread you out, and they'll run it some on the goal line. It does change a little bit, but the whole unpredictable part of their offense is that it doesn't change when they get on the goal line for the most part. Now, having said that, see, Bully, I think that's the thing about even the, you know, even the uh, film breakdown stuff that I do or have done. It's, I'm looking at what's in the past. And and right now, if we're previewing, we're, we're trying to get an idea of a Mike Leach offense and everybody kind of wants to see that you know, the, the breakdown of that stuff. But all we can do is watch it with the players at Washington State. And, right, you without, know, the, a, without a true dual-threat quarterback. Exactly. You know, And you get to, you get to the goal line, he's going to have that weapon now that in short yard situations that he hasn't had in the past. Exactly. You know, there's a, a dual-threat nature to your quarterbacks at State. There's a, a running back like Kylan Hill, which – I mean, the guy at Washington State was pretty good, but it's not, he's not a Colin Hill. And, you know, think about this tight ends. This came up on yesterday's show. You know, right now at State, you have tight ends. You didn't really have tight ends. They didn't recruit them, didn't really have them. You can kind of go back in the history of that position at Washington State. And Mike Leach had some comments at one time about how. You know, tight ends um, seem to always come to Washington State and wind up as a defensive end. And he said, yeah, I'd love to have a tight end. It's just hard to find a good one. Well, I mean, you got some body type tight ends at Mississippi State right now who've been running routes and can really catch the ball and have tremendous upside. And Spivey and and uh, uh, kid from Louisville, Dante Jones. So I mean, I think any good coach – we have to remember this. Any good coach will coach 
to the talent and the abilities of the players they have. And not the other way around. You know, they're not going to say, well, the talents and abilities our players have have to match our scheme. That just doesn't work, and it won't work. There is an element of you're trying to get a scheme going, you recruit to it, and over a period of time, you build into that. When you come in and take over, you know, if Mike Leach wants to win next year, he's got to figure out what the players can do and do that. Yeah, I don't have his signature on it. But you got to practice it in such a way and figure out what they can do. You know, the extreme example would be Rich Rodriguez going to Michigan. I mean, Michigan had always been power football, had always been big linemen, tight ends, big running backs, two back set, sometimes fullback, under center, pro style stuff with a quarterback. Quarterbacks who didn't run very much. And, you know, he went to Michigan and he eventually got the quarterback, but. He didn't get really the other stuff going, and nobody really believed in it. Couldn't make that wholesale change as quick as they wanted to. And you look back on it, hindsight's twenty twenty. but if he was going to last there, and if it was going to work there, then your only choice would have been to gradually, over time, for him to go in and, and coach to that system and recruit to it and gradually, over four or five years, until you have an entire football team recruited to it, then totally morph Michigan into a spread team at that time. But you couldn't go do it in the first two years, and he found that out the hard way. Um, and they found that out the hard way. because I shouldn't just say him, because they hired him to come in there and do that. So I think everybody kind of learned that the hard way. Yeah. All right, so... Let me get to your text. Text line, 885-ESPN. Just getting started with you here today on this Friday. Real quick. Fluffy. What is, what is What are you saying, Fluffy? He says, I remembered it. What do I win? You remembered what? Did I ask that question or somebody else? <laughs> I'm lost, uh, Fluffy. Remind me what we talked about. Uh, talked about. Bulldog Bo on the text line says, Matt, what about Jay Perry? Is he retained? we got to keep him on the sideline for radio, hopefully. I totally agree. I, I have not heard anything about it. I just know Jay's there. He's working. He's been in meetings, and I hadn't heard anything about Jay not being retained and his position on the off-field staff. So uh, I believe we're going to have Jay around, as far as I know. I certainly hope so. So on that note, here's the staff stuff, okay? I told you there were some reports. I'm going to credit here the guys over at Gene's page and 24-7 Sports. Uh, David Murray, uh, his colleagues there, Steve and Paul, all kind of rounding up this information. None of these names, none of the hires are official yet, according to the university. Meaning, it hasn't been released. You haven't seen, like, you know, the official... Mississippi State football Twitter account go out and all that kind of stuff. You will. You just haven't seen it yet. So this is reporting kind of ahead of that, and and it's good information. So David Murray at Gene's Page says that uh, Mike Leach rounded out the offensive side of the, the ball by bringing in Dave Nickel. From Washington State, he's going to be one of the receivers coaches. So listen up. State's going to have two receivers coaches. Dave Nickel, 
and Steve Spurrier Jr. Both those guys did the same jobs at Washington State. Now, whether one's outside, inside, I don't know, but David is reporting that Nickel will coach the inside guys, which are the H and the Y position in your offense, and then Spurrier Jr. coaches the outside receivers X and Z. So he's reporting those are your names, you know, as receivers coach on the offensive staff. Running backs coach is going to be a guy named Eric. Is it is it Melly or Melee? <laughs> You'll have to help me with the pronunciation of that. I vote for Melee. I like Melee. Be a great name for a defensive coordinator, wouldn't it? If you get, if you get his brother Mayhem, that's great. That's going to be great. Offensive line coach is going to be Mason Miller. So um, there you go. Now, defensive hire, sort of, but but he's reporting that uh, a coach named Matt Brock is going to be in charge of special teams at Mississippi State. It says he will also assist with linebackers. I don't really know a ton uh, about him. Uh, we'd have to look it up and see, but that's the name, Matt Brock, special teams guy. Who they were actually very, very good um, on special teams. They were very good. Now, here is, I would tell you, the most important hire. And that is Tyson Brown as your strength and conditioning coach at Mississippi State. And that name is familiar to a lot of state fans because y'all picked up on him um, when... Uh, you know, I guess it was pretty early when it started to kind of float out there. He may have tweeted something pretty early that he was, you know, coming to um, state. He's oh, didn't a, he put out like a really like like a WWE wrestler type thing? <laughs> I mean, he's coming and he's bringing the heat. Yeah, we're bringing the heat. You're going to see the staff and and those kinds of things. Yeah, so he's the head strength and conditioning coach. You know, prior to Washington State, let's see, one year as an associate director of strength and conditioning at South Florida. He led the assistant strength and conditioning coach. I'm sorry, he was the lead assistant strength and conditioning coach for the football program there at South Florida prior to going to Washington State. He also, before that, spent two years as an assistant strength and conditioning guy at the University of Washington. Uh, prior to that, he was at University of Sioux Falls. He was at Baylor for a period of time, and then also for a period of time with the Houston Texans in the NFL. So he can't keep a job. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, and <laughs> you know all these guys move around so much. It, it really, and you know, you you get in that line of work if you're a young assistant coach. They move as fast as they have to to try to get up the ladder as quickly as they can. You know, as young coaches do that. So with Stinson, Houston, and Florida, this uh, weather in Starkville is not going to be a problem. Yeah, that's right. Houston Texans. He was at Baylor. He was at South Florida, and that's it. So when it comes to that, that actually came up on Chris's show, The Gridiron, a little earlier. Somebody wondered about this guy. You know, coming from Washington, is he going to understand the heat and humidity in Mississippi? But yeah, you know, so he would have spent time in Florida, South Florida, in that Tampa area, and I can tell you, it's. It can get rough. Uh, we sweated it out at the Outback Bowl two years ago, um, and that was, what, on New Year's Day. And then, of course, spent time in Texas also. And to me, most important member of your staff right there, of any staff, it's not just 
you know, perception is that it's your offensive coordinator or your defensive coordinator. I'm telling you it's not. None of those coordinators are going to spend as much time with the football players as the strength and conditioning coach is. None of those offensive-defensive coordinators will get anything out of their players in the fourth quarter in September unless the strength and conditioning coach has done his job. It's kind of like the line of scrimmage. It's, you know, it's a good parallel here. On the field, everybody watches the football and pays attention to who throws it and catches it. And that's everything, right? Well, I promise you it's not the most important thing. The most important thing are the big fat guys on line of scrimmage that line up inches away from each other, and on play after play after play, they put hands on each other, they never touch the football, and they push and shove each other all day long. That's where the game is won and lost on the line of scrimmage. The, the seasons are won and lost in the weight room and in the sand pit and on the practice field in July running sprints, doing drills, footwork, body development, cardio, monitoring body fat percentages. He's the most important guy on your staff. And so he's coming from Washington State. But it's so surprising how many teams can't do the four quarters. A lot of teams, and and it, look, it, you know, players have to buy into it. But there are a lot of teams that they think they're doing enough, and they're not. The rule of thumb in the SEC is from a conditioning standpoint. When you think you've done enough, you better do some more. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Welcome in. Uh, somewhere I know Jay in Baltimore is listening. You know, we we do a baseball podcast. We did one last year. It was just a Mississippi State baseball podcast called Dogpile. We just kicked it off for this year. Got a bunch of cool stuff. And if you're a Mississippi State baseball fan, you are in luck. I just saw this on Twitter. It's really cool. But our friends, my friends, Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield, are also launching a baseball podcast. Two great baseball fans, by the way. These dudes eat it up. If if you've ever been around Bart and Charlie, you know that those two guys talk baseball like 365 days a year. It's it's great, and they are launching a baseball podcast as well called Out of Left Field, and you can follow it on Twitter. It's at Bart and Charlie. You can uh, subscribe everywhere you get them. So a really cool thing there. So um, y'all give them a follow and tune into their podcast as well, and I will throughout the year because we're just a little ways away from baseball. Charlie tweeted that on their first show, they're going to go head-to-head drafting their own 25-man rosters of all-time MSU baseball players with a twist. Players who made it to Major League Baseball, even for a day, are disqualified. <laughs> what a cool topic. So y'all tune into that. All right, we're going to start you off here 
on the Divinity Equipment phone where Gator Man has been patiently waiting for a little while. What's up, Gator Man? What's up, Matt? How you doing, brother? Peachy, as far as I know. What's up? Um, well, I had a couple things. Uh, one of the, the uh, things was about the strength and conditioning uh, coaches. Um, I think it's like the 21st is when the strength and conditioning coach uh, gets a hold of the uh, – Savage gets a hold of the guys at Florida. But And I know you know him, but uh, that guy is – made a huge difference mm-hmm. in our team over the last two years and there's a uh the last game of the year we play it's the sunshine showdowns florida florida state and you know they had just gotten uh their coach just got let go and um if you watch that game it would blow you away the amount of uh injuries and i'm talking like cramps and and you know hamstrings and all kinds of stuff like that that florida state was having and we had like none and i think that's a testament to savage and his ability to get guys um ready to go and to maintain that i it was amazing uh the uh because i had heard some people you know talk about that that's one thing that was missing with moorhead was Savage was such a good, you know, strength and conditioning coach. I think he's from that uh, Cochran tree, isn't he? Well, I think maybe he is, yeah. And, you know, two, he left, um, let's see, he he left and went with Dan immediately. And, yeah. and Gator Man, I think it might have been you. I don't know if you remember this, but about that time, you remember what I told you? I don't think I specifically named the strength coach because I just know the way Dan has always run it. I know I told people at that time, I did some interviews when they hired him with people who did shows in Florida, and they wanted to know about Dan Mullen. And the one thing I pointed out is, look, just go ahead and get ready. Their players will look different when they run out there for the spring game. I think you told me that. I think mm-hmm. you told me that on the, on your show one day. I think I did, too, because you know, I, I repeated yeah, it, I and it, you knew it was going to be true. I mean, and it was. Yeah. And it's yeah. – it's only going to go up from there, and that's the biggest thing about it. Yeah, it's it's dual purpose in running this strength and conditioning program in such a way that it's so tough that some players can't take it, and ha- and and it hurts their playing time because they can't fight through it, especially young players. Yeah. You know, Gator Man, I, you may n- know more about how this looked at Florida. I just know at Mississippi State. There were all the time there were new faces that came in maybe out of junior college who were big time players, first year players out of high school who you couldn't wait to see them on the field and and you'd get a year a year and a half into it going, man why aren't we seeing more from you know this freshman running back why aren't we seeing more from this why why didn't he play more? A lot of it is you know coaching and playmaking ability and all that kind of stuff knowing the offense but a lot of it too is. They haven't been able to fight through that strength and conditioning program to earn their way on the field yet because it was so tough. And then it pays off in the end for the older players. And and then the byproduct, as you said, was fewer injuries. Now, every program is going to have them. I just know in the years that you know Mullen was at State, that they had what felt like minimal injuries most of the time. And, and, and strength and conditioning a big part of it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But um, I, uh, one more thing before I get to the what the second thing I was going to ask, um, 
you know, if you noticed as well, you have uh, these coaches keep these strength and conditioning guys for a long, long time if they work well together because Urban Meyer, strength and conditioning coach, is Mickey Mariotti, and he has been with him the whole way, the whole and way. he stayed yeah. on at Ohio State after uh, Meyer left because they kept practically his entire staff. The only guy that left was actually Meyer. I mean, that whole staff stayed intact. And a lot of those guys were from Florida. Mm -hmm. A lot of the guys that are on that Ohio State staff now, especially uh, support guys, recruiting guys, were players and graduate assistants at UF. It's loaded with them. It uh, blew my mind. But uh, I done forgot what I was going to talk about the second Well, you're good. It's uh, all right, Gator Man. If you figure it out, call me back. It's always good to hear from you. Okay, I appreciate the call. All right, brother. Have a good one. Yep, you too. Thank you. From uh, Landon on the text line, he says, do you think Schrader can thrive in an air raid offense considering the fact that he plays more like a running quarterback? Well, he can really throw it, too. Uh, there's no question. I mean, you, know, you watch him throw it, every bit of arm strength and accuracy. And look, as a true freshman, he's out there making some of these long hash throws. Go watch the go watch the Southern Miss game. And... Uh, I believe these were both in the second half. Better yet, just go watch my film study that I posted on YouTube of the Mississippi State Southern Miss game. It's youtube.com slash Matt Wyatt Media. Um, and, and in that one, you'll see, I think it was both second, it might have been both third quarter throws, but in those second half throws were one, he's on the left hash, and, and he, he throws this, you know, it's a flood concept. They're flooding the sideline out there, levels, he goes intermediate level, so it's a guy who's 15, 20 yards down the field, but he's on the left hash, and the receiver's on the far sideline, and he just makes that long throw look so easy. And then he did it from the right hash. Maybe on the next few plays, he's on the right hash, he goes left sideline. And that showed you right there, true freshman playing early in the year in his true freshman year, and he just drops back and goes one hash to the far sideline without any trouble whatsoever. And so you knew then that there's no lack of ability throwing the ball for this guy. He just happens to run a 4-4. I'm not joking. Like, he literally happens to run a 4-4. So, <laughs> that six foot four, whatever, he's going to run some. And you're not going to blame him for that. Nor would we. We went over the Mississippi State coaching staff as we know it earlier. Uh, those reports coming out of Gene's page, David Murray and those guys. What about the Ole Miss staff? Those names are... You know, in place a little longer. Obviously, Lane Kiffin hired a little earlier in the process, right after the Egg Bowl, um, about a month later for State. But I'm going to give you those names coming up next, so we know you know who the head coach is. But a pretty full list of assistants there. The names, who's there? A couple of those, or one of those anyway, was rumored to be going somewhere else. I don't know that if it if it's come to fruition yet. We'll give you those names and who they are for the Ole Miss staff. It's so early at both schools, we're still learning names. We're not even to the point yet of trying to put faces with those names, it seems like. At any rate, that and more coming your way today on this Friday in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
There's a lot of noise when it comes to 5G. We're 5G ready. We're 5G-ish. At Seaspire, we're not playing their game. The fact is, 5G doesn't always mean... On the show, in the Farm Bureau studio, staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire. They are customer-inspired at C Spire. Speaking of, check out the C Spire Health app. If you have not already, you need to do that. Because you can, with minor ailments, minor sickness, and health issues, you can talk to a professional on your phone live video chat with a medical professional on your phone at University Medical Center without having to go all the way to a doctor's office or get in a car and drive. If you live out in the, you know, if you live out, you don't have to drive 30 minutes to go and then sit for an hour and wait and see someone. Just right where you are, pull it up, pull up the C Spire Health app and talk to a professional right there. Video conference with a medical professional. And if you're a C Spire customer, if you're a C Spire customer, it is what, $29 is the copay? I mean, it's incredible. You really ought to check that out. That's the C Spire Health app, and you can learn more and sign up at cspirehealth.com. So check that out. All right. What about the coaching staff at Ole Miss? We went through state staff earlier. Who are these guys? Obviously, Lane Kiffin, your head coach. On the Ole Miss website, it lists Jeff Lebby, L-E-B-B-Y, as the offensive coordinator. He um, spent the last two years at Central Florida. He went to Central Florida in 2017 as the quarterback's coach and then was promoted to the offensive coordinator spot this past year, so he would have been under head coach Josh Heupel, the former Oklahoma quarterback who goes all the way back to Mike Leach uh, for that matter. So that's and you know when when McKenzie Milton was a quarterback there at uh, at UCF they were lighting people up. Some of those UCF and Memphis games were just incredible. And of course they beat Auburn in a bowl game, and that's a heck of an offense. Now uh, he spent some time at uh, Southeastern University. He spent some time at Baylor. That's Jeff Lebby. Now the offensive coordinator has been the quarterback's coach at UCF the last few years uh, and was the coordinator at UCF last season, you know, 2019. Randy Clements, your offensive line coach, of course, uh, DJ Durkin, well-publicized assistant coach, former head coach at Maryland. Uh, Joe John Finley on the staff as well. Your special teams coordinator, Blake Gideon. Chris Partridge. Now, who is the defensive coordinator there? Because at least on the website, nobody is listed. It doesn't actually say beside any of the names defensive coordinator. You have listed an offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. This is on their website. You have a special teams coordinator. A whole bunch of names, but you don't have anyone who is actually listed out as defensive coordinator. 
So do we know who that is? Y'all text me let me know, because I'm sure you know. Some of y'all have followed that probably closer than I have uh, to this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, let me know. Chris Partridge, Freddie Roach, still listed as defensive line coach. Kevin Smith over there. Tom Luke, your AD for player development. And head strength and conditioning coach at Ole Miss is Wilson Love. So they're making a change, right, from the previous. Wilson Love announced as Ole Miss's football strength and conditioning coach after spending the last three seasons same capacity at Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin. They are familiar with each other, so he was part of those two Conference USA championships. Um, he came to FAU after spending two seasons, 2015 and 16, as an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Alabama, where he worked with Lane Kiffin. So they go back to Alabama together. Prior to that, he was a grad assistant there at Alabama on the strength and conditioning staff. He is a 2013 graduate of, uh, of Alabama, a degree in commerce and business admin. Went to Mountain Brook High School, which is right there in Birmingham. Very well-to-do part of Birmingham for that matter. So he's a very young guy. And... Um, Everything for him goes back to high school in Alabama and then going to school at the University of Alabama, became a grad assistant. Next thing you know, he's worked his way up to now. He's a head strength and conditioning coach for a Southeastern Conference school. That's Wilson Love, strength and conditioning head coach at Ole, or, you know, there at Ole Miss. And I will not anytime soon be backing off that those are your most, those strength and conditioning guys are the most important guys on your staff. All right, text line. Um, I heard Chris and everybody talking about this earlier, and it really is true that if you get backed up, they, the way they come in, you know, you get 40, 50 texts over the course of an hour. If you don't start knocking them out, you get backed up and you'll never get around to all of them. But we got a chance here to maybe catch up some. Somebody sent me a link about somebody got bit by a copperhead snake. Is that what I'm looking at here? Published today. On the Clarion Ledger, the unluckiest guy in America, Mississippi Hunter, bitten on a head by a copperhead in a tree. <laughs> oh, Lord, bless his heart. A Mississippi Hunter was taking the last of his dog pack back to a truck on Wednesday evening when he encountered a flooded ditch. He found a narrow spot where he could jump across. When he leaned forward to jump, he felt a severe pain on the left side of his head. Quote from Tyler Hardy of Philadelphia, as soon as I leaned forward, it was bam. As soon as it hit me, I thought it was some sort of massive impact. He struck me so hard. I thought somebody had shot me or hit me with an axe. Knocked the fire out of me. The snake bite immediately began to burn severely. Four inches above his ear, got him. Started burning, swelling. Severe burning, spreading. Spreading rapidly, then swelling. Two buddies that were with him didn't panic, called his wife on the way to the hospital. 
called Neshoba General Hospital so the emergency medical team would be prepared when he arrived. And then he got five vials of anti-venom. You know what that cost per vial? No idea. Right about $17,000. What? Like a girl got uh, bit last year. And she only had four vials, and her bill ended up being $142,938. Good gracious alive. You know, they put at the top of that story the stuff of nightmares. Buddy, it really is the stuff of my nightmares. No but the guy is okay. Um, yeah, he's okay. Thank goodness. I didn't mean to skip to the end there. but No, no, worried. that's right. Yeah, thank goodness he's all right. That's the most important part. <laughs> he buried the lead. <laughs> no, he sort of did. He's fine. Everybody, don't worry. He's fine. He made it. The pictures were a little disturbing. Thanks to his hunting buddies, which make, makes an even uh, bigger point out of uh, the buddy system not no being a bad idea. No doubt about it. Don't go out there by yourself. All right. Uh, text line. Ghost Texter says, I saw a picture this morning of Brad Peterson with a recruit, so I'm guessing he's still in the mix. Yeah, those are off-field guys, uh, off-field recruiting guys, staff guys. I think they'll be fine. Gator Nation on the text line said, Matt, I want to wish you good luck. I know you, uh, a chief, a Chiefs fan, you better win this year. Take advantage of Belichick throwing away our season because Brady's coming back with that fire in his eye. It won't be stopped. So go get it, Matt. Well, to say that, Gator Nation, it sounds cool, but the problem is to say that you would have to then be consinu- – what am I trying to say? Insinuating <laughs> – that Tom Brady didn't have that fire in his eye this year. Did he not have it? You're saying that automatically all that's got to happen for the Patriots to go right back and win the Super Bowl is for Brady to come back with that fire in his eye. Well, did he not have it this year? Why not? Well, they ran his guy off. Antonio Brown? You talk, No, you talk about the strength and conditioning. They, they ran his little uh, fitness guru off. Oh, did they? Remember? No, I don't remember that. No, that was a story for a little while. Maybe that's it, Gator Man. Rogers figured it out. Yeah. Strength and conditioning coaches, his guru, <laughs> his own personal guru. His astrophysicist. <laughs> um hey, whatever he's got is working, ain't it? <laughs> it's whatever he's got, it is Give working. Me some of that, man. No doubt about it. Grumpy texted in. He said, Great show. He said, It's always good to hear John Bond, the toughest player ever at Mississippi State. Have JB on more. Keep up the good work. God bless you. And uh, it says RGR, but I don't know what that stands for. And that's from Grumpy. I agree. I would say the two toughest quarterbacks I've ever seen at State would be John Bond and Nick Fitzgerald. No question. Jay in Baltimore, I'll start off hour two. We'll get to your text early. Uh, Gatorman called back in. Hey, and uh, Roger, find out what Gatorman needs, and we'll hit on that. All right, hour two coming up in the Farm Bureau studio. Do yourself a favor and stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.